Welcome to episode 233 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss the NRL Indigenous Round. We predict the New South Wales and Queensland State of Origin teams and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 233 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going this week? What has been catching your eye this week? Oh, well, Dr. T, I've got to say, Celebrity Apprentice Australia has been awesome. (laughs) And um, good thanks to... Um, and and he's actually this is his actual title, in in like when they bring up his it's called Benji Marshall, NRL, goat, greatest of all time, and I think that is absolutely perfect for Benji. And uh, what a businessman he should be running the NRL. Uh, you know he's he's got yeah so f- fantastic ideas and uh, yeah it's been fantastic, but. In terms of the rugby league, I've got to say it's been um, what an interesting round. Round eleven was state of origin is just around the corner. You know, usually people say that the NRL gets you know sort of midway through the season, everybody focuses on origin and people forget about the NRL. But I kind of feel like uh, we've had a really good standard of rugby league lately, um, and we've had some really interesting results this year. And I think um, it's just really exciting to be a rugby league fan. It's it's good to be a rugby league fan. And uh, congratulations to Anthony Albanese. Um, you know, South might be going down his team, but he's shooting up our new PM. That's right. Yeah, we we've got a new PM. Scotty from the from the Shire is no longer in uh, our Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, so right. Sharks fans, you can breathe a sigh of relief. You don't have to worry about Scott <laughs> Scott Morrison randomly attending your your games. Uh, but yeah, Albo Anthony Albanese, new Prime Minister, Labor Party. Mm. Um, a bit of a yeah, Rabbitohs fan um, yeah. from way back, and so. Yeah, there you go. The, the battle boy from Marrickville, this... you know, sort of a well, I suppose that's the Newtown area of old. So yeah, it's, it's... grew up in Camberdown, yeah, which is kind of, or I guess that's kind of still Rabbitohs territory, isn't it? It's kind of like right on the edge of Redfern. So mm. yeah, it's absolutely uh, well. I mean, what a great story as well. He sort of grew up with a single mum kind of thing, and mm. uh, from poverty, housing commission kind of thing. And now Prime Minister, uh, the 31st, I believe, Prime Minister of Australia. So, like, well done. And, yeah, look, um, what does this mean for rugby league? Uh, nothing, probably, because <laughs> South and Cronulla. Mm. Well, actually, Cronulla's doing better than South, uh, I can tell you that much. But, uh, but yeah, look, uh, that's the big news, obviously, Benji as well. But there's also, uh, look, other big news on the horizon in rugby league origin is upon us so mm. obviously part of the part of the show today with the big flavor of the show is state of origin yes. we'll be talking a lot about that and also uh 
Indigenous round. So round 12 of the NRL this year is Indigenous round. We're going to be talking a little bit about the launch of it and, uh, and, and yeah, we'll do a bit of a preview at the end there and give our tips. Uh, and there's a few other little bits and pieces. So, Tish, without any further ado, shall we just launch right into it? All right, so here we go, tackle number one, the round 11 review. All right, uh, some interesting, interesting uh, results in round 11, um, you know, post-Magic round. Um, I think the magic has continued for some teams. So let's let's see what we've got on the horizon. So, uh, well, in the past, actually, <laughs> Broncos 34 over Newcastle Knights 12. Big win, however, the big injury to uh, Adam Reynolds, I believe. I'm not sure for how long, but yeah. So that that's gonna, that's not not good for them. Tigers 36 to 22 against the Bulldogs. Obviously, the change of coach has has not led to the bounce back in form as what we usually expect uh, in week one of an interim coach. Um, Eels 22-20 over the Seagulls in an absolute nail-biter. Mm. Um, great game there. Uh, some controversy at the end, but uh, another injury woe. Tommy Turbo, Tommy Turbovich injured, uh, I think dislocated his shoulder uh, at one point trying to stop a try, and uh, he's out for the season. So that has completely thrown State of Origin, uh, you know, f- f- thrown them for six in the mm. Blues camp. Yeah, so that's Brad Phillip totally needs un- to come up with a new plan. Absolutely. Or well, maybe uh, not. He's already figured that out, but yeah. <laughs> well, you'll see later in my predictions. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna swap one turbo for another. Uh, oh, maybe, wow. maybe, hopefully, we'll at least get one turbo in the camp. Um, all right, uh, the Dragons twenty-four over the Warriors eighteen. The Cowboys, 36-6 to against Melbourne Storm in front of 22,000 fans up there at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. The Panthers, 32-12, to a shellacking of the Roosters at the Sydney Cricket Ground. The Raiders, 32-12, to same score against the Sydney South Sydney Rabbitohs. And finally, the Sharks, 25-18 over the Titans. Tish, uh, I'll, I'll let you have the first word. What was your highlight of the round? Oh, look, my highlight, because, um, it, look, it was an absolutely thrilling game, was actually the Manly Parramatta game. It was uh, it was hot. It was uh, fiery. It was like a, an old contest between these two rivals, right, from the 70s and, uh, and 80s and so forth, and I, and I absolutely enjoyed it. And I think what I enjoyed about it most is that, um, you know, I think Manly were the better team all night. I think they played more to their potential than what Parramatta did. I think Parramatta were a bit sloppy, but in the end, they were able to get home. And I think that's an important evolution for Parramatta because Parramatta have been one of these teams where if they play well, they normally win. If they play terrible, they usually don't win, (laughs) right? But this is the first time that I think what we've seen in this sort of uh, window, if you like, of Parramatta's uh, team where they're able to win... um, when they're not the better team, <laughs> like on the night. And the fact that they were able to do that, I'll call it the Moses miracle. He kicked the goal from the sideline under the under pressure, um, being able to, you know, uh, snap victory out of the jaws of defeat. 
Um, I think I think that's a very important milestone, and I think that is my highlight for the week because yes, they got it. Uh, yeah, they had a bit of a drumming the week before, but I think this sort of shows you that they are still a premiership chance, a strong chance because they have beaten the top two teams, and um, and and I think your highlight might be somebody that uh, might be joining. Uh, that premiership fight, well, has got an ITAL's chance anyway. But but for me, I think just to see Parramatta bounce back after a huge loss, throw the miracle in, um, it's really exciting to the competition because it's not a two-horse race anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'd be surprised for uh, anyone listening to, to hear that my highlight of the round is not that Eels <laughs> doing something. <laughs> it's uh, as much as I, I was glad that they won, I, I was not very impressed with them. I thought at the end there, they, they sort of got lucky. Um, I know there's some controversy around uh, that uh, that tackle, which was a good ball. You know, it wasn't a ball and all tackle. It was a good tackle to prevent a try on the left side there of the offense for Parramatta. But uh, he was hit high, I believe. I looked at the replay. I think he was hit high, and I think it was fair enough that they gave the penalty. And that kind of changed the momentum with a few minutes ago. gave the Eels an extra set of six. And with that set of six, uh, either that one or the one after, they uh, they managed to score kind of a last-minute try. And then, obviously, Moses uh, puts the, uh, you know, it, it evens the score. And then Moses scores the winning field goal, uh, goal sorry, conversion from the sideline. Uh, I wasn't impressed, though. I thought well, the Eels, yeah, I kind of thought, I agree with you, that Manly probably played better than them. Um but I, it was a frustrating game to watch for a lot of it um, uh, for the Eels. But uh, yeah, look, they uh, they they did what they needed to do, and I think that's that's the one takeaway. But really, for me, the big highlight was the Cowboys. Uh, look, I know we saw the Storm being beaten the week before, but I think the fact that the Cowboys flogged them thirty six to six. Uh, look, it's I don't know what's going on with the storm. <laughs> I don't know if you can put it down to you know a, a few key injuries here and there. I don't think that in the Craig Bellamy clinical storm setup, a few injuries have has ever led to them getting flogged like this before. Usually they can put up a good fight. Mm-hmm. Usually they can still score some tries and do what they need to do. It seems like in the last couple of weeks, they've just absolutely capitulated. So I don't know what's going on over there. Um, I'm more, you know, for me, it is, it is equally about the Cowboys, uh, you know, stamping themselves as premiership contenders, which is a a big deal uh, at this, this stage of the season, but it is equally about the storm. What's going on with them. I have no idea. So in two ways, that particular game, really is, I think, potentially a turning point for the Storm. Either we see them continue to slide or they do something about it and realise they need to snap out of whatever rut they're in. Yeah. And, and turning point for the Cowboys. I mean, this, if anything, is a the kind of victory that they can look back on at the rest of the season and, and say, look, we were able to do that. And again, we're talking about a fairly inexperienced coach in Todd Payton. It's not necessarily someone that... You think, well, this is a you know Wayne Wayne Bennett kind of thing. He knows what he's doing. Mm. Um, whatever Todd's doing over there, even though he's had some, uh, you know, there was some pressure on him last year and the year before, uh, or so last year. Um, definitely, it's working. So, 
in Todd we trust. <laughs> in Put it Todd that we way. trust, yeah, absolutely. And I did see photos of a statue of Todd Payton, but then I realized it was actually Vladimir Lenin. Um, but he's <laughs> oh, certainly showing those leadership me. credentials there, you know. <laughs> so oh, goodness <laughs> me. It's good. But look, um, you know, with the with the storm, look what's happened. I, I look, I've done my investigation, Dr. T, and what they've done is that they've pulled another Arthur, a Brad Arthur play. And they moved Harry Grant into hooker for this game, <laughs> right? So this this poison chalice, right, of, you know, taking uh, a key member of your spine and moving him to a position that they're not familiar with to, to sort of strengthen that weakness, as we sort of said, to, uh, you know, it's backfired again, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, at this time, the Melbourne Storm, right? And obviously they're missing Jerome Hughes, and uh, it's it's really interesting because like um, you know Cameron Munster is obviously there's big talk in the NRL that he's trying to get a multi million dollar contract, right? But the interesting thing about all of this is that when Munster is usually out or injured, Melbourne is still Melbourne. They still uh, destroy teams, maybe not as much as what when Cameron Munster is there. Um, but now you've got Jerome Hughes out, and Melbourne suddenly they go down three or four pegs and I'm just wondering whether, whether as anybody's picked up on uh, hang on. Yeah. Munster, he's a great player. He's an incredible player, but he's not the sort of player that could take a, uh, he's a, te- he's a player that could, I think that could take a good team and turn them great, but I don't know if he could take a bad team and turn them good. If, the, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it remains to be seen. Mm, mm. <laughs> let's see. All right, let's move on to our second tackle, which is about the NRL Indigenous round. Here we go. All right, the NRL Indigenous round is upon us, and the theme for this year is pass back, move forward which, uh, you know, those of you keen uh, students of the game understand that is the key rule behind rugby league. You pass backwards and you move forward. But really it's, uh, it, it's, it's about it's connecting to the national, the, this year's National Reconciliation Week theme of Be Brave, Make Change. And so this week uh, the, the, uh, the Indigenous Round was launched at Accor Stadium it was the West Tigers and South Sydney players mm. that actually co-launched it uh, this year. Uh, Dane Laurie, Tyrone Peachy, and Brent Naden, who recently joined from the Bulldogs, were in attendance from the Tigers. Alongside Rabbitohs players, Cody Walker, Blake Tuff, and Isaiah Tass, and Shaki Shakwai, Shaq, let's call him Shaq Mitchell. Yep. At the National Centre of Indigenous Excellence, which is, uh, of course, in Redfern. Um and other players, NRLW players, Quincy Dodd and Talia Fui Moano, as well as former Indigenous stars, Greg Inglis, Tamana Tahu, and Dean Witters. And uh, according to the media reports, Tyrone Peachy spoke about uh, celebrating his culture. He says it means a lot. And I think the NRL does a really good job every year mm. promoting Indigenous round. Um and if you're wondering what pass back move forward means this year, the their Indigenous round is about focusing on creating a space for learning 
and educating Australians about Indigenous culture, as well as encouraging the rugby league community to mm. take three key actions to be part of the change. So pass back, move forward, I guess, is about, you know, looking back at the history, uh, helping each other and uh, and then moving forward and, and you know, actually taking action. So some good themes there. Um, Tish, what are your thoughts about the Indigenous round? Uh, Tigers and South players, obviously, uh, as I said, were part of the launch. Um, and, yeah, any, any other news on the Indigenous round that you want to share? Well, look, I think it's great, and I think all the clubs this year are going to be sharing, uh, well, they're all going to have Indigenous jerseys, and, um, you know, the Tigers and the Rabbitohs, both their jerseys look fantastic, actually. So I think it's a good one to support, and obviously... Um, you know, s- help raise some uh, awareness and hopefully some funding for some Indigenous courses. Um, you know, I think I think uh, rugby league is so blessed to have so many great Aboriginal Indigenous players, not just currently, but also of the past as well. And some of the greatest rugby league players we've ever had, you know, have have come from that and and uh, from from you know an Indigenous background and even. Um, now, Mal Meninga from a Torres Strait Islander background. So um, I think it's a great opportunity to celebrate um, rugby league. And, you know, I do believe this. Like, I think that um, uh, something about the culture and um, something about how and, – and I know there's lots of different Aboriginal lands and groups and and, and tribes and so I think, but, but they do bring um, a certain element to rugby league uh, which I think other nationality like there, there's a there's a difference between Aboriginal players like they they have a lot of instinct I feel to the game it's it's um, and they bring a really if if you notice a lot of the Indigenous players are quite relaxed and so forth and I think um, I think I, I kind of uh, you know I kind of admire that inner peace that they have right so uh, when they're playing rugby league it's kind of uh, it's kind of uh, interesting so. So I think this is a great way for the NRL to celebrate. And, uh, yeah, let's hope um, that it is a smashing success, as it always is every year. Absolutely. All right. And we're going to obviously talk about the Indigenous round in our previews later uh, of the games. But let's launch into the origin is, a, is upon us. And we're going to uh, spend some time talking about our predictions for the State of Origin teams. Obviously, they're, they're going to be announced, I think, next week. Uh, or at the end of the next round, uh, and so you know, going into camp, etc. So we'll, we'll hopefully get a get a chance to talk about it then. Uh, but for now, let's give our predictions. So here we are with tackle number three. It's our Queensland State of Origin team predictions. Here we go. All right, Tish. Do you want to launch into your uh, – well, actually, let's do – shall we do maybe position by position? Yeah. Let's see how we go. Yeah, so so start uh, let's start with – right? Yeah, let's start with Queensland. So let's go with fullback. So who do we predict uh, they're going to select? Over to you. Okay. I have picked Kalen Ponga. Um, I think he is like the only selection. <laughs> Possible. How about yourself? <laughs> He's the only one left standing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's either him or Valentine Holmes, but I think we know they've gone mm. with Ponga in the past. Although, having said that, there were a couple of examples on the weekend of Ponga's terrible uh, 
<laughs> terrible defense. Um, but anyway, we won't get into that. But yeah, there's quite unfortunately there's there's quite a growing highlight reel of Carolyn Ponga being absolutely terrible as a last line of defense. And there was one example of that on the weekend. But I think they'll pick him, and I agree. So let's go to the wingers. Now I've picked. I think Xavier Coates, I think we both agree, is is a, a certainty. But I've also picked Kyle Felt on the other side. Uh, have mm. you gone with Kyle Felt or have you picked someone else? No, I've picked Selwyn Cobbo. Okay. And it was a toss-up between him and Kyle Felt. But I think you'll find that Kyle Felt is actually injured. Um, I think that's what's happened because he's out oh, of the really? Cowboys team. Um, he's replaced oh, by no. the Hammer, Fido, which I thought, well... The Hammers also a good chance to get into the squad too, right? Um, but I think Selwyn Cobbo's done remarkable things for Brisbane. So I think even with a healthy felt, I think I still would have lent towards um, Cobbo. Um, even though Kyle felt like, you know, he's scored some amazing tries. Um, yeah, your your choice on felt for what reason? Uh, well, I didn't realise he was injured. <laughs> so I just... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like he deserves to be there. Uh, mm. But yeah, look, if he's injured, then that's another thing. But it remains to be seen. So I haven't confirmed that. So um, yeah, well, I mean, if you're right, if if Felt is injured, I think they they might end up with. Uh, well, it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? Though going for a complete newbie, uh, someone that's very very fresh. Uh, but look, let's go to the centres because I think around them they'll have a lot of experience. So. In my mind, I think these two are certainties. Valentine Holmes and Dan Gagai in the centres. Tish, do you agree? Yeah, I agree with those two. Now, I wasn't 100% sure on Gagai, to be honest, um, because I know how not so good the Newcastle Knights were. But I was trying to see who else was knocking on the door, and I really couldn't come up with anybody. So he sort of gets the nod, I suppose. Is that is that the loyalty play, I suppose? I'm not sure. Um, and then, yeah, and then for um, Valentine Holmes, um, from what I've seen the Cowboys play, I think he's, I think centre has become his, his best position. And I think um, and I think this is one area that they might have a bit of an edge over New South Wales. All right. Um now let's go to the all important. Well, I mean, look again, these are certainties, I think. Mm. Five eighth and halfback. I think it's fair to say Munster and Daly Cherry Evans at captain. Uh any objections? No, no, no objections. I think this is a lock, right? So Yeah, yeah. Any injuries? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Uh, Munster, any uh, any uh, conviction? No, okay, no, let's not <laughs> let's not go there. Um, all right, lock. So I, I can never pronounce this guy's name. Let's just call him Tino. Yeah, uh, is he injured? I don't think he's injured. No, I don't think he's injured. Can um, you say his surname? Fasulamala Awe. Sounds good enough. Tino. Yeah, I'm I, th- I think that's correct. But um, look, and um. I think there's a Pacific Islander flavor to his name, and uh, there is probably a Pacific Islander way of saying it. And we do apologize if we haven't said it that way, um, because there is that. But and he's showing good captainship for the Titans, but the Titans have been terrible. And I don't think he's been that great. But I'm a big fan of Patrick Carrigan. Um, Patrick Carrigan is like he's like I mean the ball playing lock, and you know he's the link between. Um, you know, between their halves all the time. You know, he's sort of in the first receiver role and, 
you know, he stepped up a lot, um, you know, for for Brisbane's win uh, last week um, without uh, Adam Reynolds for most of the game. So I think Carrigan uh, maybe will make his debut for uh, Queensland, but let's see. Well, there you go. Um, second row, so I've got Kurt Capewell and Felici Kafusi. Okay. Do you have anyone different? I have these guys, the same guys. Um, I'm not too sure who else is eligible for the for that role in their team. So yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, and for props, so look, one prop. Uh, look, Josh Papali, I think, uh, is a certainty uh, in on one side, and on the other side, I've got Christian Welch. Mm. What about you, Tish? What do you reckon? Okay, well, um, I forgot about Christian Welch, um, so okay. I, I forgot to pick him, but I've gone for Josh Papali'i and welcome back, Ruben, welcome back, Cotter. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I don't know, like, I saw him play against the Tigers and I don't know, I mean, I'm a Tigers fan, and um, but I couldn't help see this guy play, the way he played. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. He could go the whole 80 minutes. Yes, he's probably smaller than um, some of the backs, but I just really like his work rate. And I thought um, he's got to be in the team somewhere and he play, he's playing prop four for the Cowboys. So let's just stick him in. Um, but but I have no objections against Christian Welsh. Like, like, I think if I had remembered about Christian Welsh, he, he would probably be in my team. Um he is, uh, is he injured as well? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the injuries have certainly yes. played their role. It has. Well, I thought has. more so for the Blues, though, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's not in the lineup this week for Melbourne that I could see. So, yeah. So, it would be interesting. Um, yeah, who knows? Does he still play for Melbourne? I don't even know that. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he could be, uh, for all I know, he could be an Olympic swimmer. I mean, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of cross uh, pollination there with the different uh, sports at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go to the bench. So, look, I'm pretty sure we're we're in agreement on three of the four. So let me just announce them. So Ben Hunt, Muaki Fatuika, and Francis Molo. Uh, I think Molo in particular, I think, showed some uh, good kind of form uh, in the last game last year. I think so did Ben Hunt. Um, although it was a dead rubber, but and I've got as a as to round off the bench, I've got David Fafida, who uh, that I, I guess he I think he played that last game last year as well. Um, he hasn't been going too badly this year, I don't mm. think. So I figured he probably will get the call back. And the thing is, he can play uh, sort of a diverse role in the front uh, in the front line and. Um, and he's got a lot of skills, and we all know he's kind of quite dangerous. So that's my pick to round off the bench. But you've got someone else in to round off that bench, don't you? Yeah, I do. I ha- okay, so I have Ben Hunt, Fodawaka, Molo, Francis Molo again, and I've actually got Jai Arrow. And because um, I just thought that Ben Hunt will bring that versatility for the backs, and then the other guys can have that forward rotation. Um, and yeah, with. But I did feel as I was picking this team, if I'm being honest, that on the bench, they don't really have an X factor there. Um, you know, they're just more sort of gritty aggro players, <laughs> right? That or or hard work, hard rate <laughs> players. So 
David Fafita is actually a really good move because I think David Fafita can bring, um, you know, he obviously brings that forward, you know, muscle. Um, but look, if you get an injury out in the backs, he could probably slot into center, um, you know, and just be a devastating center on on, on the on the back end. Because you got to remember, like you know, we've got we've got a doctor uh, that is presiding over the bunker there, right? And um, you know, if you if you have like a head injury to the, one of the outside backs or to your, or to your, um, you know, to your halves and so forth. Um, you got to have a way to, to sort of cover them. Ben Hunt can come in and, and cover the halves and maybe the centers and so forth. But then, you know, those outside backs, who do you have to, to, to cover? That's where you would probably bring a guy like Dave Fitter into play the centers. And then you could move, you know, Gagai out to wing, Holmes out to wing, uh, you know, or or homes to full back if something happens to Ponga. I think I think there's a lot more options with Fafita. So, yeah, I, I I would probably I'd probably go with that selection there um, for yourself there, uh, Doctor T. I think that's a great move. Um, yeah, but yeah, but the reason why I chose, uh, but the reason why, I, yeah, I just chose Jai Arrow because he was there last year. To be fair, right? Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Couldn't figure out the last one. So yeah, but um. There we go. So that's actually a segue into my my question, I guess, before we launch into the New South Wales teams. Um, you know, new coach, Billy Slater, unproven. Um, we don't really know. He's a bit of an unknown in terms of where we think he might land on selections. Let me ask the question. Last year, they got absolutely smashed, except for the, the final game, which was a dead rubber, and obviously also didn't feature, um, you know, the eventual, uh, you know, Clive Churchill medalist, uh, Nathan Cleary. Um, What do we say then about what, you know, what kind of changes would Billy Slater make? I mean, a lot of our decisions have been based on, well, we think that player is good enough and he's the best, but, uh, and, and he was there last year, but, as we know, last year, uh, for two of those games, they got absolutely smashed and didn't really, you know, do you, if you're a Billy Slater, are you going to change things up radically? Are you going to bring in, you know, a lot of the the younger players? Um, what, what's your play here if you are Billy Slater and how does that flavour your selections compared to what we predicted? Yeah, well, uh, do we know how long Billy Slater's um, contract as coach is? <laughs> For, uh, for um, for Queensland because the reason why I say that is because I, I think that plays a big part because I don't think I don't think Queensland at the moment can should just think solely about this year. I think they need to have a bit of a multi year plan because they have lost so much of their experience over the years, and it's kind of a situation where New South Wales sort of had a few years ago where there was a sort of a decision to bring in some of these younger players in now so that um, they could start the cycle. And I think that's what Brad Fittler did when he started, really. Um, a little bit before that, Laurie Daly kind of did something similar and they ended up sort of breaking the streak that Queensland had. But I think I think Queensland, are, it's almost like they've got to set themselves up for the future, right? Um, and that's why, and I think Billy Slater is the man to do that. Like, I kind of rate him a lot. Um, even though we haven't seen anything from him, but I just think that the thing that is going to be his his uh, his sort of um, like you know momentum thing is the fact that most of these players uh, would respect Billy Slater and what he's done at Origin level. They'll respect 
his you know winning ways at the Melbourne Storm, and you know he's on you know he's not that far removed from being a player himself. So I think you know there is going to be um, you know like a a familiarity uh, and sort of like yeah I, I think I know what he's going to do sort of thing with the players. So I think that's going to be good, and I think some of the younger players if they get selected. Like, you know, I think they'll want to play well for Billy Slatter because he's the one that gave him the opportunity. I think that's one thing that a new coach can always have that opportunity to do. Like, you know, um, and I think this is where Paul Green went wrong a little bit. Like, he didn't really have enough players that were like Paul Green's men. Do you know what I mean? Um, so so then, but you can build your team around the like, you know, hey, I've got Munster. He's a mate of mine. I've got Grant. You know, he, he sort of, I used to, you know, mentor him at, you know, Melbourne or whatever, he's going to have some of those Melbourne connections. But then, you know, if he's, if Ruben Cotter gets his gig, for example, for Queensland, I, I could see those type of players having a great game because they're like, oh, Billy Slater believes in me type thing. Um, and I think that's really important for a representative game because you don't really have that much time to build plays and to build that. So I think that's, so yeah, so I think he's going to do that. Um and I think he's quite smart as well. He's quite, like, if you think about it, like, a lot of the rules that we have right now, like, don't do this, don't do that. It's all innovation for Billy Slater, right? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> feet first tackling and, you know, like, uh, shouldering people off. Like, it's all illegal now, but that was all the stuff he did, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, he's an innovator, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, How do you think he'll go, uh, Dr. T? It's hard to it's it's hard to tell. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it's look. Yeah, I don't know. I just get the sense that that uh, that often we look at you know aberrations in the state of origin realm where coaches with zero experience have come in and and had wild success. Uh, the first one, obviously, was uh, you know Paul Vorden during the the night he was 95 during the mm. super league era um famously winning three nil against absolutely all odds with a no name including ben Iken, mm. who got introduced during that series you know again because the team was decimated uh it was an unusual situation i mean it would be the equivalent of like you know it's like covid affected <laughs> premiership mm. you know it's a bit like that you know you kind of you can't really put an asterisk but you kind of can't mm. talk about any successes during that era without kind of thinking what could have been and and mm. what what impact those other forces at play were having. Wow. Um, and then and then you've got the uh, uh, you know Mal Meninga and uh, and that kind of you know he had no experience and then all of a sudden uh, you know all the success in the world and now he's a genius. Mm. Um, so I guess that's the thing to consider is, uh, you know, is it just Queensland that has these uh, fluky kind of uh, coaching situations? Because certainly <laughs> there have been others others that have played their role and haven't really won much, you know, mm. Bellamy and others, and, and it's just not really uh, – yeah, so I think – Yeah. I think – I think with Billy Slater, it's all it's all about let's wait and see how he handles game one. Yeah. Um, if we've got the New South Wales side, which we're going to get into in a minute, if we've yeah. got, um, you know, our key players fit and ready to go, um, then I think it's really a challenge. It will be a huge challenge, a uh, mountain 
for Billy Slater to overcome. Okay. Well, Dr. T, you know there are patterns, right? Like, you know, the Italy winning the World Cup soccer every 12 years, for example, like every third one that it goes to Italy, that type of thing. I just thought about this, right? Yeah, Super League affected series, Queensland winning it, right? COVID affected series, 2020, Queensland winning it. Now you've got the head injury, injury cloud over everybody era. Could this also be another ambush? Maybe. I mean, that yeah, that's putting a lot of pressure on Billy Slater as a coach. But <laughs> Let's do it. I think it's unwarranted. It's unwarranted. Mm. Uh, look, I would argue that last two years have been COVID affected as well, not just 2020. Okay, so I yeah. think in that in that respect, I think, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that, yeah, especially last year, New South Wales, definitely, definitely COVID affected and, and we did what it took to, yeah, what, what we needed to do to take it out and uh, in emphatic fashion. So I think, look, the pressure will be on New South Wales and we're going to talk about them in a minute, in a minute. Uh, you know, they've set up the expectations now. We can see what they are capable of. It's a question of was that last year's uh, series of fluke or is this a real dynasty that's shaping up? Um, you know, the players have gone on to taste success in the key players in the club land. You know, the Panthers winning for the first time in, you know, over a decade and a half, almost two decades, in fact. Uh, no, sorry, was it? Is that right? Yeah, almost two decades that they since the last time they won, um, and they won last year in emphatic fashion as well. So <clears throat> it remains to be seen whether whether those key players, Cleary, Luai, etc., whether they can uh, up the ante. Um, but look, let's pause right there, and we will talk now about New South Wales State of Origin teams. Here we go. All right, so tackle number four, we're going to talk about our predicted New South Wales State of Origin teams. And uh, look, as as we just mentioned, injuries are clouding some of the positions, the key positions for uh, New South Wales. But uh, I think it's fair to say that apart from injuries, uh, we're going to go into this uh, State of Origin with a fairly stable team. I don't think yeah. Freddie Fitlow is going to make too many changes. So let's just launch into it. Uh, fullback, look, James well, Tedesco. I, I, uh, th- I think, spoiler alert, we might as well just say it. Our back line is both the same, right? Well, yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. But let's go through it anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, obviously this is what I, why I mentioned it's, uh, you know, we've got stability here and, mm. and it's, it's fairly predictable. But I think it's fair to mention in a couple of positions there were others that, that we considered that didn't mm. quite make it. So I think that's a key thing. So, look, fullback James Sadesco, barring injury, obviously, for all of these guys, will be captain. On the wings, we're going to have Josh Adokar and Brian Toll, obviously. Um, in the centres, we we both went for Katoni Staggs and Stephen Crichton, I think, who've impressed immeasurably this year. I think mm. uh, the only other contender would have been Talakai for Katoni Staggs, but I think I think we've seen, uh, you know, the resurgence of the Broncos this year has obviously got a lot to do with Reynolds, but 
also a lot to do with Katoni Staggs just uh, holding his own. Mm. And he won a points battle against uh, Talakai. So uh, for our only other options at the moment. Um, and look, it's fair to say as well that the reason why both of these guys are in is that we're missing Tommy Turbo uh, is one of them. And I think the other is... Latrell Mitchell. Latrell Mitchell. So that's, mm. that's kind of why we've had to replace our centres. Now, what does this mean? Well... You know, centers often get forgotten uh, in mm. in uh, <clears throat> state of origin, but they are so key. Especially, I think what we've seen is if we've got centers that are not really, uh, uh, you know, on the same page as their wingers, we could have problems, and we may have problems here with Josh Adokar, You know, tending to sort of rush out of the line quite a bit. Mm. Um, so it remains to be seen what we what we can do there. But I think Stephen Crichton and Katoni yeah. will uh whoever's gonna partner him on that side. Uh most likely I think it's gonna be Katoni Staggs on the right. Um and I think they'll keep Brian and Stephen Crichton next to each other potentially, uh given their Panthers connection. And I think that's if that's the way that Freddie goes, I think that'll be a good idea. Um five eight halfback, no doubt, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. Uh, the lock, uh, Isaiah Yo. I think we both went for Isaiah Yo. I think that's a no-brainer. Mm. So <clears throat> the Panthers scrum half combination, we've sp- spoken in, at length before about Daly Stewart Clyde as, uh, you know, the Canberra Raiders green machine legends. Uh, and and I think the connection between Luai Cleary and Yo, I think will be, key here and I think Yo uh, look he was close to man of the series last year I think he just uh, it was an exceptional player at at origin level so I think that's a no brainer Um, now in the second row we may have some differences Mm. so we've picked Liam Martin as one uh, starter but I think on the other second row I think we've got uh, some points of difference so you have picked – who have you picked? I've picked Tyson Frizzell. Um, and I've gone with Tyson. Uh, he's played Origin before. He, I think he's an incumbent, um, you know, uh, and I always think he performs. Yes, I know his team is sort of battling uh, down the bottom of the ladder. I get it. But I think Tyson always is a big match player. I mean, the Dragons haven't really won a premiership and he's playing for Dragons for such a long time too. And he always got picked. And I think he's he's that type of player that will score tries in unusual situations. Um, so I've gone with him. So I've gone for, and I did hint at it earlier, that mm. uh, I think we're missing one turbo, Tommy Turbo. <laughs> we need we need the magic of the turbos. And okay. I'm picking mm. Jake Trebojevic. I think he's... He's hit some form this year at Manly, uh, and and I think he deserves a recall. I'm not sure why he got dropped at all, um, because he actually did play last year. Uh, I believe he play he might have played the last game, but um, I, look, I don't know whether he's on the outer. I don't know what's the deal. I think he still has a lot to offer, and I think more than anything, we need a leader. Uh, and a ball playing, uh, you know, skillful second rower in uh, in the the, the forwards. Um, I'm not sure if Tyson uh, has imp- you know has impressed that much and warranted uh, reselection. 
potentially it's a bit harsh to leave him out. I've left him out completely. Um, but mm. I think, I think uh, you know, we've, we've had an embarrassment of riches in, in a few of these positions. And, mm. and I think this is just a case of uh, form getting Jake Trebojevic back in there. Uh, but anyway, it remains to be seen what Freddie will do. So I think this is a bit of a wild card. I think a lot of people might think, Doctor T, you're on uh, you're on some sort of uh, special <laughs> special something. No, I think I really do think that uh, Jake has been, he, you know, he just he plugs certain gaps in our lineup, yeah. and uh, I don't think Tyson does that anymore. He used to. Mm. I don't think he brings that much uh, anymore, unfortunately, at Origin level. So look. That's that's just my opinion, <clears throat> um, but in terms of the front row, look, I think we've gone for the exact same front <laughs> row. So, um, you know, Junior Paulo and Payne Haas at, at props, and Damien Cook obviously at hooker. Um, Damien Cook does play a bit of that leadership role. Um, I was thinking about you know when I was thinking what, what kind of leaders do we have in the forwards that can uh, you know rally the troops and and lead by example. The problem with Damien Cook, as we've seen with the Rabbitohs, is that when when he's left out there on his own, being the captain uh, or the the leader of the forwards, you know he's he's busy enough trying to get momentum. He's got a, a lot on his plate as it is, and I think it's uh, you know if we were to translate to, to that to Origin, I think it's fair to say that you can't really rely on him to be the uh, the the forward kind of like he does lead by example, but he's also uh, he's played more of a busy role, if that makes sense. So I think you need someone like a Jake Trebojevic who can actually lead by example, who can, uh, you know, take some good hit-ups for you, but equally has that ball-playing skill and can organise the backs and 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 the forwards as well. So I think that's why I've kind of suggested um, <clears throat> Jake Trebojevic there. But yeah, so that rounds our lineup. So look, aside from a couple, we've pretty much landed on the same sort of team. Um, and now let's look at our um, our bench. So look, we've got. Unfortunately, I think we've also got Pappenheisen injured as well. So that means mm. we've got some questions around who can we put for, put in there as a uh, as an all rounder. Uh, it's been suggested that two players could fill that that void on the bench and come in and, and sort of cover most positions. Uh, Nico Hines and Jack Whiten have been those two names. Now, <clears throat> what I've done is I've actually included both Nico Hines and Jack Whiten in my lineup, which I know I know the, the in this day and age it's a bit unusual because usually you'd pick uh, you see teams being uh, or coaches picking forwards. Three forwards on the bench, uh, but I actually think Jake Jack Whiteson, sorry, can actually play. Uh, look, I know he's got that; he can play center and and pretty much any other position in the back line. Um, <clears throat> I do think he can also play as a bit of a, a, a lock forward and get Isaiah uh, Yo to push into the second row if required. So that's kind of the reason why I've picked both Nico and Jack because I think both can uh, have something to offer. Let me just stop there. Halfway through the bench, Tish, uh, do you? Uh, what are your thoughts about Nico Hines? Do you agree that he should be on the bench? Yeah, look, I think it would have been the Pappenhausen spot, uh, but obviously uh, Pappenhausen is Pappen hurt. Um, so <laughs> we've gone for Nico Hines, who was like you know kind of the understudy for 
for Pappenhausen when he was at the Storm, and now he's <laughs> the understudy for New South Wales, right? But yeah. I, think, I think Nico Hines has shown like this year. You know, most uh, you know, I heard Darren Lockyer say this, and it's interesting. Like he normally doesn't want to buy players from the Melbourne Storm because players on the Melbourne Storm play above their potential, and then so when they go to another club, they normally don't. But he's kind of the first player. And, and look, I think it's questionable what Darren Lockyer says only because of Greg Inglis, because I think Greg Inglis's career at South Sydney might have been better than his career at Melbourne, but it's it's very close, right? But definitely Nico Hines, he's been a bit of a shy, you know, standout star, leaving Melbourne Storm and becoming a Cronulla a, a Sharks player. Yes, he, he he kind of, you know, he did play fullback in Melbourne quite a lot. I think he'd fit in anywhere on the backs. And I don't think, and I think with him, and his versatility, and the versatility that the other players have there as well. I don't think you need a Jack Whiten. Um, frankly, let's look. Let's just call it the way we call it, you know, Dr. T. Uh, Whiten, he's played well for New South Wales when he's been the centres. He hasn't played well when he was 5'8". Um, I think he's had two goes at it. And um, last year, Origin Game 3, he was horrible. Um, and it was our best chance for a... Um, you know, it was the best chance uh, of our of a blues whitewash, but you know we had to add the green, and it became a bit teal, and uh, you know, uh, not not winnable for us. So I think Jack Whiten, I think he's excommunicated from selection for New South Wales uh, just because of Game Three last year. So um, <laughs> right, so I can't pick him. I just can't. So I'm going to have to go with. Uh, Keon Kalamatungi, Angus Crichton, and I've got Jake Trebojevic as well in there as well because uh, you are right. I, I kind of that's a last minute selection after hearing your your passionate rant on Jake and and how much of a great human being he is, and I think uh, and I think we need that human in there. Absolutely. Well, I mean, to be fair, I said nothing about how kind he is or whatever. It was just about his ball, his leadership and ball playing skills. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I focus on. But, you know, he's a good human as well. But I think the yeah. other thing is it's also the Trebojevic. Uh, there's a little bit of superstition here. Mm. I think we need a Trebojevic in order to uh, to win this game. And mm. since we don't have Tommy, we need Jake. Yeah. Uh, and the other, yeah. the other bloke is just too new. So, yeah. uh, do you think? Um, do you think that was the issue with uh, with Mitchell Pierce? Right? How many series did his dad win? Uh, look, I think he won a lot more than Mitchell did. Oh, okay, That's all right, right, okay, all right, yeah. He was definitely involved in a few winning series, and and you know has has look prior to Bradley Clyde, Wayne Pierce, I think would have been seen as one of the best locks of all time. So. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know what you're getting at there, Tish, but uh, <laughs> I think he was more than a successful player. Mm. Our junior peers, um, look, and let me just round up my. Uh, so I've got Angus Croydon and Tariq Sims as as our our forwards, who are there to kind of. Although I mean, Angus Croydon is more of a ball playing forward, but he did impress me last year in terms of momentum mm. as well and uh, playing. You know, so he can he can do that. He can do the hard yards. He's able to do it. So potentially I've got a weaker, in terms of forward strength, I've got a weaker sort of thing, uh, you know, team than, than maybe maybe you have. But I do think that uh, this first game anyway is not going to be won in the forwards. I think it's going to be an open affair. 
I think uh, we're going to see lots of points. And I think the more, you know, ball playing, skillful players we've got in New South Wales, uh, I think the better it will be. And I think Billy Slater, you know, his focus won't be on defence. I mean, he's certainly going to, it's going to be hard to train his uh, team to go feet first uh, in, a, in a short few training sessions, um, a la, you know, the way he used to play. But no, all jokes aside, I think uh, that's why I've gone for a bit of a more open ball playing uh, type uh, scenario here for New South Wales. And look, it remains to be seen. We'll find out at the end of the weekend um, which way Freddie Fiddler will go. So, Let's move on to oh so do, well let's let's have a, maybe one last question. Do you have a is there a, an issue or a question that we're going to raise just like we did for Queensland mm. uh, that's going to you know I guess the the question is post Tommy Turbo um, <laughs> what what impact is that going to what impact is a is a no Tommy Turbo going to have on the entire series because he's out for the season so mm. he's not going to play a single minute at all so. Are we going to be that much disadvantaged with having Stags and Crichton? Is that where the game will be won and lost? What do you reckon? It, look, I think centers play a vital role um, in in the team, uh, but I think when we they also get a bit of the glory from other people's hard work, um, and I think centers would be first to admit that because, like you know, we, like we're talking about the attacking try scoring abilities, and I think New South Wales has that in spades. But the real work obviously happens in the forwards, like the work rate, um, you know, questions. And I think New South Wales still has that base uh, of it; they have that experience for it. And um, so I think I think that's where they've got a. Um, so I, I, yeah, so, so to answer your question, no, I, th- I think New South Wales will still win without Tommy because I don't because as well as Tommy can play and the unbelievable stuff he can do, same thing with Latrell. I think the fact that um, you know they're, they're still going to have enough stability um, in the forwards is going to be enough for them. I think to 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 win it over, uh, but be where like I think all the talk has been around. Um, you know, sort of the New South Wales and the juggernaut and the number of players we've got to pick and all it's been a very New South Wales uh, favourites rhetoric. And I think that's when we fall into trouble a lot because we just sort of (laughs) over over think about all these things. Um, The reality is last year, like last season, you know, we had two non-centres playing in the special centres role this year. I think the likelihood is it's actually going to be actual centres. So if anything, I think New South Wales should actually play a little bit better by having more players play in their positions. But but that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Doctor T? Do you think do you think we've got this in the bag, or do you think we've just got to be weary? I think we've got this in the bag. I think I think <laughs> I think Tommy Turbo. Look, as well as he played, I don't think I think I said this before. I don't think he was the real reason. I think having him there. Gives you that extra, extra firepower, but I think uh, it was really the structure around the halves uh, is is what really led uh, the the real reason why New South Wales dominated. And again, maybe we won't dominate as much as we did last year. Maybe we'll have closer competition, but I genuinely think that uh, you know it. it I, I don't think we're going to be. No, well, I wouldn't say troubled. I think, you know, origin is always a tight affair. But I think at the end of the day, New South Wales just has enough um, 
you know, structure, intelligence, experience, and firepower to to put the the Queenslanders away this year. Um, so yeah, I it remains to be seen because I think uh, this year, you know, could you attribute Manly's sort of form slump to you know Turbo is also not really uh, Tommy Turbo hasn't really done much either this year in terms of uh, you know inspiring his Manly side. So I wonder whether this was you know. I guess luck, we were lucky last year to have him at his absolute best. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's the thing. I don't know whether he's going to have that much of an uh, – his absence is going to have that much of an impact. Uh, we probably won't hit 50 points or whatever it was early last year, but I think uh, I think it's fair to say that we will uh, uh, feel his loss, but I think we, we still have a lot to offer. So I'll leave it there. Let's move on to – Tackle number five. Here we go. All right. Tackle number five is about promotion relegation. So I thought we could sort of talk a little bit about that. So uh, many of the soccer competitions uh, around Europe uh, nearing the end of the league seasons or, or have already finished. Clubs have been battling to avoid relegation. Uh, so obviously there's there's a lot of excitement towards that those final games of, of all of those seasons where, uh, you know, it's not just about who wins the premiership or whatever. It's also about who's going to be relegated. Uh, in the Super League, the UK Super League, we've got recently promoted French Rugby League Club Toulouse, who is in line uh, to be relegated. Uh, and I guess the question is, with recent failures by London, Toronto, and now Toulouse, questions have been asked about whether promotion relegation is hurting the stability and expansion ambitions of the game in the UK. My question here, Tish, is should the UK Super League adopt a franchise model like the NRL to ensure that there's coverage of rugby league across key strategic areas in Europe, or should they persist in promotion and relegation? Uh, given that you know a lot of the other kind of soccer and other footballing codes do the same thing there, um, fairly fairly simple question: Are you are we for promotion and relegation, or do we go franchise model like the NRL? What do you think? Okay, well, disclaimer: um, I, I've never really well, I don't never really grown up in like this promotion demotion model right like i've grown up in australia where all of our sports there is there's not really that right it's more um you know it's more franchise models it's more like team set teams in certain areas and you know what if you wanted to grow the game in a particular area to get your beachhead in there you get a team in there they get supporters they get followers they build a junior system and they grow it and that to me is the model that works. I think if you're going to try to expand the game, right? I think, um, you know, it doesn't work all the time, but like, for example, if you look at the success the Melbourne Storm have had uh, in, in like the AFL capital of the world, <laughs> right? Um, and the fact that they have, you know, really quite healthy crowds, they're starting to build a junior base. Um, you know, their players are sort of known around town a bit more. Um, it eventually build something in that place, you know, and, you know, and I think that that is the model to go for uh, because, look, relegation, as you've quite said it right, unless you, like, you know, London, Toronto to lose, three teams that you really need to support for a number of years before they could be 
competitive with the established teams. But all you've really done is you just made him cannon fodder for Wigan and for St. Helens, right? Um, you know, uh, it's it's almost like it's, you know, um, you know the, the, the clubs only get stronger uh, in these promotions. Like, you know, the, the top four teams become the top four teams. You kind of see that in the EPL as well, right? Like, you know, it's it's always the top teams fighting for it. And it's always the bottom teams. The only thing they've got to celebrate is they're not going to get demoted. Um you know, but win an, win an actual premiership, like, you know, they're so busy fighting for, you know, relegation, like not being relegated. They don't have a chance to forward plan how they're going to become a top four team. Whereas in the NRL, you know, you're languishing down the bottom like the Cowboys are, right? And then, um, you know, you get a coach in, you get a good halfback in, and suddenly you got young players that are developing and suddenly you're a top three team, you know? Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's a good strategy to grow the game with, with this promotion relegation craziness that they have, but that's my thoughts. What about your thoughts? Dr. T? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I guess for me, look, I would have to agree. I've never really been a fan of promotion relegation in rugby league. I think it works in soccer because there are just so many other clubs mm. and, I guess, uh, like, without going too deep into it, I think there's, uh, uh, you know, there are some benefits of, for promotion relegation, but the the costs completely outweigh them in my mind, and 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 I think go counter to our philosophy here in Australia. So I think you're right. We haven't really grown up here in Australia with that approach. Um, in Europe, in a lot of the European competitions, uh, soccer and otherwise. Promotion relegation is the kind of, uh, uh, you know, bees knees. it's the bee's knees. It's the thing that gets done. And and what it does is it's kind of like based on the philosophy of, you know, uh, a small club can rise through the ranks and with performances, with success, they can reach the top tier and then do what they need to do. The reality is, <laughs> so there's a, there's element of, um, you know, if you work hard, you'll make it. <laughs> that kind of philosophy, yeah. Um, which is akin to kind of the, I guess it's is it like a right wing kind of conservative kind of thing, especially in America and Australia. The idea of you know it's all about self determination, and you work hard, and you'll you'll make it anywhere kind of thing. Um, I think that's what the promotion relegation thing implies. The reality is that. You know, once those teams get to the top, they very rarely rise to the top of those the top tier. They almost always just stay languishing and fighting for relegation and mm. um, you know mid tier. You'll see that in a lot of those, especially with soccer as an example, because that's have had a much rich, richer history of promotion relegation. Uh, you know, in terms of stories, etc., and clubs that have been involved in that. Uh, compared to rugby league, so there's a lot more mm. to talk about there. Uh, if we look to that sport um, and what their experience has been, you definitely see, um, you know, you make it harder for teams that are in the middle to kind of succeed against the big spending, big name clubs. So there tends to be kind of a separation, uh, almost an apartheid of the the. The, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, if that makes sense. So you'll get, yeah. you'll get teams promoted to the top leagues, but then 
they'll have no, uh, you know, nothing, no, no hope of, of basically getting to the very top of that league because it's a hard slog. They'll just be continually battling to make it to the middle of the table mm. uh, and never really battle against the big spending clubs at the top. Yeah. And, and that to me is a huge uh, disadvantage of that approach um, because it means that you're at the mercy of the market in terms of um, the success of uh, of of your of your sport, or really of your entire code, is is down to well, we'll let the market decide where the 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 better clubs are, and so you get the situation where you know fast forward a century and you get in the EPL things, you know, clubs like a Liverpool and a Manchester now, you know, with United and now City having its success. And uh, and then it's basically the usual suspects. It's no more than a handful of other teams that have had any success at all. Um, and so you compare that to Australia and you compare that to the franchise model, which allows teams to, you know, have a bad year, but then rebuild. So it's kind of like a longer-term vision. Um, and also, yes, it is a bit, you know, communist in the sense that it's kind of, uh, where everyone gets a fair equal number or amount of money to to spend on players, etc. Uh, and so it's kind of like a instead of a competition, it's like a co-opetition, if that makes sense. It's uh, everyone gets a fair share. You get you get my equal money, like Monopoly. And then it's in fact it's like Monopoly. <laughs> it's like the game Monopoly. Everyone gets the same amount to start with, and then it's up to you what you do with it. Um, and uh, and and the end is going to be a winner, but but you don't necessarily get relegated, so you can try again next year. That kind of thing. So yeah. what that leads to, I think, is a better sense of uh, you know equality or equal equality of opportunity, as in uh, you know not in not in the gender or LGBTQ sense, but more the um, you know that any club can have an off year and and they're still going to be there um it also means stability in terms of sponsorships and things like that like you know that that club's always going to be there and and you know you you can sponsor them and the sponsorship then becomes more around some certainty that that team will be there and and have uh uh a presence on television or in you know and that way you know that you're going to get more money that way however and and also it allows you as i said to have a strategic input into you know, placing teams where there there is strategic importance to have teams. Um, so, you know, for example, if you trusted the market, uh, would we be guaranteed that there'd be a Melbourne Storm? Um, mm. Probably not. But then, what would happen to the competition here? What would happen to expansion if Melbourne didn't have a team because of promotion and relegation? Um, it would be a disaster. You know, yeah. for for sponsorship, it would be a disaster for the entire code. So. Um, that's, I think it comes down to that philosophical differences in, uh, do you want to get the whole code, the whole competition to move forward together, or do you let the market decide who the better teams are and then let, you know, essentially like it is in, in the promotion relegation leagues in, in soccer in the UK or in Europe, uh, it's kind of like star, it's driven by star clubs. But then what you get is, um, you know, 
a concentration of success in only a few clubs. So I think, look, I've spoken too much, but I think I can see the pros and cons of both sides. Um, but I genuinely think that for rugby league, we're not in a position to risk promotion relegation. Uh, certainly the example of losing London, Toronto, and possibly Toulouse yeah. from the top tier is an absolute disaster and is going to set us back many, many years. So I think, you know, they need to get rid of promotion relegation if I'm kind of quite blunt about it. Yeah. Tish, um, I'll let you have the final thoughts. Yeah, well, look, I think um, I think the big difference, I mean, football is a different sport to the rugby league in so many different ways, right? But I think the main, one of the main reasons is that football is kind of, it's kind of popular everywhere, right? That's why it's called the world game. It is, it is like naturally like, you know, played sort of thing. It's kind of a bit simple that way, but I think it's just popular everywhere, right? So in that, in that, in that sport, you kind of need to have, uh, you know, you're always going to have, you don't need to grow the game in a particular area, right? Because it's, it's kind of strong everywhere, right? Whereas with the NRL and rugby league, right? It's, it's a lot more niche. So you've got to, you got to find places and you got to be places in long term before before you could start to have success and i think that's where um and i think that's where the super league have been getting it wrong right you know and um you know if anything like you know you know the nrl is an offshoot of of the northern union you know which is now the super league right so you know they did it by coming out here and establishing a competition you know, um, and you know they didn't, they didn't have a promotion relegation system when there's only eight teams. So, I think they just got to get back to the basics a little bit, and um, and hopefully once they've done that, they could start to see success in in growing the sport. Because I think once um, people get familiar with franchises they could support, then then it's just going to be as popular as it is here than what it is over there. Absolutely. Let's move on to our last tackle. And we've got our round 12 tips for the Indigenous round. Here we go. All right. So last week I was uh, quite successful, Um, a tiny bit more than you. Seven out of eight. It's been a while since I've got seven out of eight. You got six out of eight, which is nothing to be sneezed at either. Mm. And uh, but that brings me to fifty nine for the year, and you you are at fifty eight. Uh, which was the team that foiled me? I think it was the Dragons, the Dragons <laughs> and the Warriors. So I think for some reason I tipped the Warriors, but the Dragons ended up winning. So there you go. Mm. But I did predict the Cowboys, and I did predict some other upsets. So there you go. Um, let's see how we go this round. Indigenous round obviously always brings uh, some uh, a lot of passion, especially for some of the Indigenous players in the game. So let's see if that's going to have an effect on our tips. Storm versus Manly. Is the Storm going to bounce back? I think so. <laughs> so I'm tipping the Storm. Yeah, I'm tipping the Storm. Very hard to think the Storm can lose three in a row, put it that way. All right. Um, Panthers v Cowboys. This is going to be, uh, you know, at Blue Bet Stadium, which is, I think, uh, it's hard to tell the, the betting stadiums apart. Is this the one at Penrith? I think it's the yeah, one it at is, Penrith. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Penrith are at home against the Cowboys. I think the Panthers will win this one. How about you? Yeah, look, I think it's a great, intriguing game. 
on at the worst possible time. So I'm going to tip the Panthers. <laughs> All right. Um, Broncos and Titans. Now, <laughs> look, no Reynolds, I think. Um, what's going to happen here? I think the Broncos will still win this one. Uh, yeah, I'm tipping the Broncos too. And yeah, like, um, why isn't this the six o'clock game and the other one the uh, uh, eight, eight o'clock game, I'd say? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe have they made a mistake? Maybe they should change it. But look, I think you can watch it still on KO if you're uh, if you're local here in Australia. But unfortunately, yeah, it'd be good to have have the Panthers and Cowboys on free to air. Ridiculous. Um, Warriors v Knights. Um, I'm I'm guessing this is probably going to go down as one of the most boring games of the weekend. Mm. Except except I think the Warriors. I think a uh, Look, themselves, the Warriors have had some, uh, we forgot to mention, there's some big news. Uh, you know, apart from the, Matt, is it the Matt Lodge situation? Uh, yeah. We've, we've also got, uh, now, what's his, his acronym is? Channel, Chanel, Harris, Devine. Chanel, Harris, something. Yeah. CHT. CHT, yeah. He is, uh, he has made a huge decision this week to retire. Yeah. Um, now, is it effective immediately or? No, no, or at the end, the end of the season. At the age end of, of the season. And he's only 23, yeah. So, look, uh, what does that mean? Uh, what kind of impact and ripple effect is that going to have on the rest of the Warriors? Is this indicative of another, you know, some other sickness happening at the Warriors? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's been a bit overdramatic. Yeah. But I genuinely think that they've got a better team than the Knights at the moment, and I think they'll win this one. Yeah. I think the Knights are going to shine in their armour. <laughs> Good. Uh, Rabbitohs and Tigers in uh, in an epic uh, replay of the 1909 grand final. Uh, you know, that's uh, going way back. But the Tigers um, almost forfeited, right? Or did forfeit. So. Yeah, yeah. Look, Rabbitohs, I think, um, I don't know. This is going to be a tough one because I think the Rab- you've got a few Rabbitohs players that are going to be fighting for uh, for their, you know, potentially state of origin. Um, Tigers, I don't know what they have to play for in terms of they've come off a win, but against the Bulldogs in that was in disarray. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to meet their match against the Rabbitohs, and I think the Rabbitohs will win this one. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Rabbits too because I feel like we've already beaten the Rabbitohs once this year, and I think it's, uh, it's hard to see us beating them twice in one season. Sharks and Roosters, the Battle of the Beaches, Cronulla versus Bondi. This is going to be an interesting one. I think that the Sharks will take this one out. I think there's a few players, as I said, that are playing for a spot in State of Origin, Nico being one of them. I think uh, with a good performance here, he'll cement his spot in at least the bench. Mm. Um, The Roosters, on the other hand, they also have some players that are fighting for a potential spot. Um, it remains to be seen again what's going to happen, but uh, I think, I think, yeah, the given what happened and the shellacking they had at the hands of Penrith, I think it's going to be hard for them to recover. Um, what do you think? Sharks are mine, yeah. Look, you? I'm going to tip, uh, I'm going to tip the Roosters. I think the Sharks are destroyed, uh, with the election result, and um, <laughs> it's gonna plunge them into defeat. All right. Dragons v Bulldogs. Uh, you at know, Belmore, at, right? 
Yeah, team of the 80s at mm. Belmore, Bulldogs back in their traditional home ground. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether that's going to have an effect. It is a Sunday game, a Sunday 2 p.m. game. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. And I think it's predicted that it's going to rain a bit this weekend. So remains to be seen whether um, that's going to have an impact on the crowd. But look, Belmore, if you're out there and you're a Bulldogs fan, you're back in your traditional um, you know, home ground. So get out there and support them. But yeah, dragons for mine. Yeah, I'm going to tip the dragons too. It is the uh, yeah they're going to they're going to win for Trent Barrett because according to Phil Gould, he was always a dragon. All right, Raiders <laughs> versus Eels, <laughs> final game in the Ricky Stewart Cup. Uh, mm. Eels for mine, quite quite simply. Yeah. Um, well, we've kind of agreed on everyone, so I think I kind of but. I, I like the Eels in this one too. So, look, I'm going to have to go with the Eels. I think the Eels are going to be too strong for Canberra. Canberra, three in a row, have been strong. But I just think that the Eels, um, yeah, even it, like, you know, it can still be more classy than, than Canberra. All right, fair enough. Well, that's it. That wraps up our podcast uh, for today. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to check us out at uh, Our Republic dot com and uh the usual uh facebook twitter etc and on itunes please download our podcast leave a comment and subscribe tish over to you to wrap this one up well thank you dr t thank you everybody for listening but that's all the time that we have for this episode of rugby league republic we're your host tish and dr t join us next time on the rugby league republic bye for now